You never know how strong you are until being strong is the only choice you have. That's a quote by the great philosopher Bob Marley. <laughs> and it's true for our day, right? Just because, like, just when I don't think I can handle anymore, I realize I don't have a choice, right? And so here we are in these crazy times with, you know, overflowing hospitals and viral spikes and racial tension and political division and riots and flying locusts and murder hornets. All this stuff, all this crazy. It seems like more than ever before, and yet so much, very much the same. You know, because in life, isn't it true, haven't you experienced, that on a regular basis we have to navigate through physical pain, relational pain, spiritual pain, emotional pain, all of this pain. As a pastoral staff, we get together on Mondays, and one of the things that we do as pastors is we go through the prayer requests that you all share with us on Sundays. And by the time, you imagine a pretty big church, you know, we have about a thousand adults. And by the time we put all those prayer requests together, we add our own. Sometimes it can get really overwhelming. Just all the hurt that we carry and bring before God. And it's an incredible privilege. But at the same time, it's also a sober reminder of how much life can be painful at times. And it's in these times of pain, you know, that we search for answers. We start to search for God. And we search for healing. You know, in this series that we've been doing stronger, we've been studying and looking at the names of God, you know. And what's been interesting to me is as we go through all the stories, these recountings in the Bible that show God walking with his people, what we see is that the people encounter something traumatic and tragic in their lives And then God gives them the name to reassure them that he's with them and also that he can meet every single one of their needs. So today's word and name that we're going to look at today is this. It's Jehovah Rapha, which means the Lord who heals. The Lord who heals. Jehovah means Lord and Rapha means to heal, to restore, to make whole. See, the Lord revealed himself as Jehovah Rapha right after the children of Israel had left enslavement in Israel. See, God had shown his great power by sending frogs, fleas, flies, and fury in order to unleash Pharaoh's grip on his people and set them free. But as they experienced this freedom, all of a sudden they found themselves caught between Pharaoh's army who came back to pursue them and take them back to slavery. And on the other side was the vast Red Sea. And they knew, you know, they couldn't go over it and they couldn't go under it, but God told them they could go through it. And just imagine what it was like to be the children of Israel standing there and Moses lifts up his staff and the waters part and the children of Israel walk through the center of the Red Sea on dry land. God's power and provision was there to help them. And then they reach the other side and they're looking back, wondering what's going to happen because, you know, the Egyptians are following them and they're watching and they don't know what's going to happen. All of a sudden the waters fold back and the people of Israel, they are so excited because God has provided, he saved them and they no longer have to walk like an Egyptian, but now they can party like it's 1999. God's provision 
prevailed. And having made it through the waters, now they needed to walk on dry land. And not just dry land, they had to head out into the wilderness. The wilderness. You know, they're walking by. There's not even a cactus out there. It's just dry, barren rocks, molten, hot sand. They're walking for days and days. There's nothing to eat. There's nothing to drink. And finally, you know, they get to this point from jubilation to where it's drained out to desperation. Where is the God of miracles? What happened to the promise? Are we just going to die here in the desert? And then off in the distance, they notice way out there why there's some trees and water, and they begin to trudge and, and get there as fast as they can. They grab the water in their hands and they begin to sip. It's Mara. But as soon as they get the water in their mouths, they spit it out. Because the water is bitter, undrinkable, and this makes them bitter and angry. And they begin to do what often we do when things don't turn out as we hoped, right? They begin to turn and get frustrated. They begin to complain. They begin to turn on Moses. And you can just imagine Moses is standing there, and he's got like a million of these hot, bothered, thirsty, hungry people all ready to wring his neck. And Moses, I'm sure he just wanted to run but what he does instead is he turns to God, and Moses pleads to God, please help us. And God tells Moses, he shows him a tree, and he says, take that tree and throw it into the water. And when Moses did that, the water turned from bitter to sweet. And it was at that time that God revealed himself to his people as Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. Exodus 15, 25, and 26 is this. <clears throat> there the Lord issued a ruling and instruction for them and put them to the test. He said, if you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what's right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for here it is, Jehovah Rapha, I am the Lord, I am Jehovah Rapha, who heals you. Who heals you? Even in the most desperate of times, even when it seems like there's no hope anywhere, God appears as Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals us. And I don't know if you noticed this, but on the beginning of verse 25, it says this. It says, God used this situation as a test, as a test. Now, when I hear the word test, what I automatically think of is school, right? And a test was used in order to challenge, to see, did we really learn what we were taught? And God used tests in similar ways. You see, he teaches us something about himself. And then he allows situations into our life that begin to pull out to test and see if we really believe what God said about him. Real life circumstances, what they do is they, they force us to the point where we have to rely on and, and act on what God has shown us and told us. And it's not some kind of twisted game that God plays with us. But what this is, is it's an opportunity for God to refine our character, to grow our faith. It's also an opportunity where he can begin to reveal himself in a deeper way so that we know him better and that we deepen our relationship with him. Now, maybe you've wondered, you know, why is it then that God doesn't always remove all the tests and challenges that come into our life? And maybe this is part of the answer, right? 
that God knows that we'll discover our greatest joy and purpose, you see, when we know him deeply, when we rely on him entirely, and when we're transformed to become like him. And you know what? Let's just face it. It's true, right, that we're more likely to be changed in the wilderness than we are on the mountaintop. And so having turned to God, having revealed himself in a more powerful and meaningful way, the children of Israel are moved from bitterness to wholeness, from Mara to Elim. And so we continue in Exodus 15, 27, when it says this, they came to Elim where there were 12 springs and 20 and 70 palm trees, and they camped there near the water. Finally, the oasis that they were looking for. I mean, they went from almost dead to club med, right? From no water to bitter water to cleansed water to abundant water, 12 springs of flowing water, unending water, which might remind you of where Jesus said, you remember in John 7, that he said this, whoever believes in me, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And by this, what he meant was the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. The spirit flowing through us, healing us, the spirit of God. See, God understands and he he knows our pain. And he's committed to healing every single aspect of our life through Jesus because Jesus is the ultimate expression of God's healing power. And so today we're going to talk about receiving a stronger healing in four specific ways and areas that God heals us through Jesus. So the first one is this, is that God heals our spirit. God heals our spirit. You know, there's lots of other areas in our life, right, that cry out to us. They want to call our attention. You know, I'm hurting. I need healing. But the greatest healing that we ultimately need is healing in our spirit. Because God's word tells us that apart from him, we suffer from an incurable wound. Apart from Jesus, we're separated, we're isolated, and we're spiritually dead. We are hurting for certain. But God in his great mercy sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for us so that we can have new life in him. So that he can heal our spiritual wound. Look what it says here in 1 Peter 2.24. It says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Jesus heals us spiritually. He makes us alive in him. He gives us new life. And we're born into this new life so that we can celebrate. We have celebration instead of condemnation. Romans 8, 1 and 2. Therefore, there is no longer any condemnation. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. And so, friend, if you've been searching for life, searching for hope, and searching for God, you can find your answers in Jesus Christ. You receive his forgiveness of sin. I encourage you to be adopted as his child 
and he wants to heal your soul. Next, God also heals our body. He heals our body. So there's a story in the Gospels, a recounting of a time that Jesus healed a man by taking a handful of dirt, he spit in it, made some mud, and put that mud in a blind man's eyes to heal him. That tells us a few things about Jesus. One, that he's very powerful. Two, that he heals us sometimes in ways that we don't expect. And three, that Jesus has a good sense of humor. <laughs> I mean, how do you heal someone who's blind? We stick mud in their eye. Unexpected. But this is exactly what the Bible tells us is prophesied, prophesied about this coming Messiah, about the Savior, that he would carry our wounds our heal, and our diseases, our illnesses. Matthew 8, 16 to 17 says, when evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word, and he healed all the sick. This was to fill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Here it is. He took up our infirmities, and he bore our diseases. <clears throat> and what was true of Jesus then is true of Jesus now. Jesus is our healer. And this also, though, is perhaps the moment where we start to come up with some of our questions, right? Because I think if we were to survey all of us here, most of us, many of us, can attest to and have witnessed that God has healed somebody through the power of prayer. This morning when we got together before this morning's service, Dave Boland reminded us that this is his six-month mark from when he had his horrible stroke. And I remember when we first got that news and they told us it really didn't look good. And I love my brother Dave so much. And he is a witness to the healing power of prayer. And I rejoice that God is a God who heals through prayer. We also have to be honest because many of us also struggle with the question, why does God sometimes heal some people, but he doesn't heal other people? I mean, it's a real struggle when those who are hurting, going through illness and pain, and they pray and nothing seems to happen, or someone that we love dearly, a dear loved one, and we wrestle and we pray and we beg God, and it seems like he doesn't answer our prayers. Now, these are tough questions. <laughs> I wish I had the answer for you. I really do, because I just don't know. But here's what I do know. I do know that we live in this broken world and we have these broken bodies because of sin. And we're susceptible to sickness and illness and disease here in this world. And ultimately, this is what I do know is that even our healing in our earthly bodies here on earth is just a shadow, just a shadow of what the ultimate healing will be when we are with God in heaven. And ultimately, I think, as the words of the old hymn say, when we've been there a thousand years, bright shining as the sun, there's no less days to sing his praise, right? When we're there in heaven eventually, I don't, I just think experiencing that ultimate healing, sometimes it's just a shadow of what we experience here in life. Revelation 21.4 reminds us, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death, no mourning, no crying or pain 
for the old things have passed away. The ultimate, ultimate hope that we have is beyond this life in our eternal future with God in his presence. And I'll be honest, sometimes this hope really sustains us. It gives us the hope that we need in times of pain. And other times, it just doesn't feel like enough. I mean, I do know people, and I'm sure you do too, who have faced this very situation, and it broke them. And they decided that God didn't come through in the way they thought he should have. And so they thought, well, maybe either God isn't there or God doesn't really care. And while I identify with the depth of that pain, I just can't accept that as my own answer because I know, I know that God does exist and I also know that God cares and that he loves us deeply. And one of the things that I love about the Bible is that it's incredibly, brutally honest about this exact issue because we see person after person after person in the, in the scriptures, Job, Jeremiah, David, Martha, and Paul, who cry out to God in anguish, in pain, in difficulty, in sorrow, and ask for answers from God. In fact, Paul, he asked God, he had this thing he called a thorn in his flesh, which was this ailment that gave him pain and hurt and suffering on a regular basis. And Paul begged God to heal him. And he records what God answered him and then his response to that answer. And it's here in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. And it says this, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul's response, therefore, I will boast in all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulty, because when I am weak, then I am strong. See, it's kind of a strange yet challenging truth that sometimes God has a greater purpose for our pain. You see, in the life of Paul, his pain caused him to desperately cling to God's daily, daily grace, a grace that sustained him, a grace that he needed to fulfill his calling that God gave him. And his pain made him weak and dependent on God in such a way he could do nothing except without God's power. And it was that power that enabled him to do much more than anybody I can think of aside from Jesus Christ to further the kingdom of God. Paul gave his entire life to Christ. It was his sole purpose. He did not live for this world. He lived for the world to come. And I believe that's because his pain shaped his, perfect, his perspective. It clarified his very purpose. It empowered his ministry. And so Paul's pain was healed in an unexpected way, and yet in a way that he celebrated. And so in the midst, right, of all of the crazy hurt and things that we experience in life, we can keep our eyes with faith on Jehovah Rapha. And in whatever way he chooses to heal, that he does so with great, incredible grace and care and love. Next, God heals our mind. 
He heals our mind. And it's a good thing he does because what we think and how we think has a huge impact on us because all of our thoughts and actions, our, our actions, our daily life comes and be, originates in our thoughts. Our mind is like the control center for our life. And our minds need healing just like our bodies do, right? I mean, we need healing from memories of the past that hurt and haunt us. We need healing from impure thoughts that destroy us, from self-destructive thinking that disables and disempowers our life. Because a broken mind often can lead to a broken life. And if we want to change the story of our life, we need to change the stories in our mind. We need to start thinking differently about ourselves, thinking differently about others around us, thinking differently about God and the world around us. We need to pay attention to the way that we train our brains. Romans 12, 2 says this, Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Our mind is an amazing thing. It really is. I mean, it helps us think. It helps us remember. It helps us make decisions, everything that we do all day. Our mind is strong. But it's also very fragile, right? It's very sensitive and fragile. We need to guard it so we don't end up being programmed or conformed to the wrong things. You know, Because what we allow in our mind, it, it kind of goes into our memory bank and it, it starts to have the potential to either help us or heal us. Our mind can be very easily influenced. For example... There was a pastor who went to the pet store to buy a parrot. He wanted a pet, so he bought a parrot. When he took it home, he discovered that the parrot could only say one thing, and that was this, let's kiss, which was very disturbing for the pastor, as you can imagine, when he would invite people over to his house. That's all the parrot would say, let's kiss, let's kiss. Some very awkward moments. Well, the pastor discovered there was a lady in his church, and she also had a parrot. But her parrot, all it would say is, let's pray, let's pray. So the pastor had an idea. He thought, you know what? I'm going to go over to Sister Peggy's house, allow her, ask her, would she give me permission to put my parrot in with her parrot for a little while? And maybe her parrot will have some great moral influence on my parrot. So sure enough, the pastor took his parrot over to Sister Peggy's parrot, and he placed his parrot in the cage. And as expected, his parrot said, let's kiss. To which Peggy's parrot responded, thank goodness my prayers have been answered. <laughs> yes, our mind is easily influenced. And when you take into account, you know, this sin nature that we wrestle, all this ugly stuff within, all the ugly stuff around us in our culture and the daily life that we wrestle with, input in, input out, all bombarding us, we can see how we can negatively be influenced in our brain and our thinking. And what happens over time, you see, the way that the brain works like a computer is it begins to embed these things, and it looks for routes, almost like railroad tracks. And so when we come across an incident or we come across a familiar type of encounter, our mind relies on these tracks these patterns, you see, almost like ruts. The more these patterns are used, the more these certain ways of thinking are used, it becomes like ruts to the point where we get into a rut. And we start to have these things like negative thinking toward ourselves or others. 
problems with fear and anxiety, with anger, lust, resentment. And they become ingrained in our thinking. And so how do we find healing for our mind? How do we find healing for our mind? Well, a great place to start is to pay attention to those negative thoughts. And maybe even you can identify those, right? The things that you say to yourself. Or maybe you need a little help. And what I encourage you to do, maybe you just need to say a prayer and say, Holy Spirit, will you please reveal to me the lies that I'm believing? And then listen and identify those negative thoughts, those lies that are in your head. And then begin to replace them with God's truth. And again, we can ask the Holy Spirit, what is the truth that I need to believe? And then begin to reinforce that truth with God's truth, with his word, over again. And what you can do, again, begin to repair and replace and rewire that hard drive so that the next time you're facing a situation where you're tempted or where you're being tormented, you begin to recall God's truth instead of the lies. This is exactly what the Bible refers to in 2 Corinthians 10, 5. It says to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Capture these truths. Cast them away. Replace them with God's truth. Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble... Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So here's an example. Maybe perhaps when you were growing up, you received messages that you were worthless. In one form or another, that was cast on you. And so when challenges come and you face a time of failure or challenge that's what echoes in your head you don't deserve to be happy you're worthless so you grab hold of that thought you cast it out and you replace it with god's truth you find scriptures that speak of your real identity in christ and how you are valued in the way that god sees you you could even google things like who i am in christ and then find those verses, go over those verses, read them, write them down, memorize them. So again, when you catch yourself with those negative thoughts, hopefully what begins to happen over time as we practice this is that instead of the lies, you are receiving God's truth in your mind. And just as Jesus said in John 8, 32, the truth will set you free. And the more you marinate your thoughts in the truths of God's words, specifically targeted toward the areas that you struggle in your mind, the more freedom you experience. And the more freedom you experience, you begin to see the spiritual work that God is doing to transform your mind to the point that you also begin to have what 1 Corinthians 2.16 refers to as the mind of Christ, which is where your mind reflects his mind and you all of a sudden begin to experience love and joy and peace which then produces the fruit of your actions which is patience kindness and self-control through the healing of your mind honestly you'll see it begins to affect also your emotions and your physical health as well next and last god heals our relationships God heals our relationships. God's a God of love. 
And this is testified by the fact that we know that God lives in relationship. He lives as Father, Son, and Spirit. And while we don't always kind of understand how this Trinity thing works, you know, three persons, one being, we kind of don't relate to that because it's a way that we're not like God. But the way that we are like God is that we're created to be in relationship and that we're designed to be unified with Christ and one another. And that's what happens when we receive Christ. We are united into his body. I talked a lot about this a couple weeks ago. But that's where God heals us and restores our relationship in union with him and one another. And through that, we're able to receive God's healing through each other. Colossians 3, 12 to 14, great verse. This is our calling as the people of God. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, that's you, clothe yourself with compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Those are so healing when we extend those to one another. Bear with each other. Forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, Put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And so for many of us that have been battled in this world and we feel rejected, hurt, abused, we find healing in the community of Christ-centered community where we share with one another the love that God has given us. And that heals us. It heals us when for the first time we can be accepted and loved and forgiven and tolerated and put up with. That heals us. Giving the love to one another that God has given to us. That's what made God's community, the the early church, so attractive to people on the outside was the deep love that they shared with one another, God's love. Now, another way the Holy Spirit heals us is in our relationships is by giving what are called spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts, holy empowered, spirit empowered giftings that God uses for us to serve and heal one another. And one of the ways that we can be faithful to these gifts is to identify them, practice them, develop them with one another. Because when we use these gifts, which are all outward focus. What happens is we extend God's love and grace to each other. It's a spirit-empowered thing. God uses his power from us to others. 1 Peter 4.10, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. Look at this. As faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. We extend God's grace, his power, his healing to one another. And this is the way, again that we heal one another, that we share our bond in Christ, that we treat one another with great, incredible love, and that we use the gifts that God's given us to minister God's healing power to each other. This beautiful vision is exactly what God created us for and what he wants to restore us to. Restore us to. Jehovah Rapha. He is our healer, the Lord who heals us, makes us whole, restores us in every area of our life, from our body to our mind, to our spirit, our soul, to all our relationships. God brings healing. 
And maybe there's an area of your life, right, where right now you just identify there's an area of my life where I need the great physician to do his work. And I encourage you to invite him to make a house call. That you would invite him into that area of your life, reach out to him, call out on him like Moses did in desperation. You see, because in humility, that opens our heart to God's healing power. Perhaps there's something that you've heard today that can help you in that process. Let's pray. Lord, you are our Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals us. And God, sometimes that can be such a great mystery, even something we wrestle with. We rejoice and we wrestle. But God, we know that we need your healing power in our mind, in our body, in our relationships, in our very spirit. So God, we look to you now. For those with a tormented mind, with negative thinking, with hurtful thoughts of the past, we pray that you restore and heal our mind. For those sick, an illness, with a body, bodily ailment, some kind of physical touch that they need from you. We invite you to extend your healing power to heal, God. For those with broken spirits, God, apart from you, or just struggling in their faith as we look at the craziness in the world, challenged with fear, God, embolden their faith, heal and strengthen their faith, or open their eyes to their need for you, and invite them into your family. And God, for those of us hurting over broken relationships, again, maybe from our childhood, maybe relationships in the present, maybe a hurtful divorce or rejection, maybe a child that has wandered, maybe just a relationship of loss. God, we bring all of that to you and we pray for your healing, anointing, wholeness, and care. We look to you, oh God, our healer, in Jesus' name, amen, amen.